This is the Anderson Business Advisors Podcast, the show for real estate investors, stock traders, and business owners. We help you keep more of what you earn and protect what you've built. Let's get started. Hey guys, Joey Mathis here, and I have Michael Bowman, who's been my partner for God knows how many years. Decades. Yeah, but you, you started here in 1999, so we've, we've been together for over 20 years now. Jiminy Christmas, 24 years. Anyway, really great lawyer. And today we're going to go over the top four screw ups people make when setting up their business entity. And I don't want to do any ado. I don't want to wait. I want to dive into this, Michael. So I'm going to hand it to you. What are the four top screw ups that you see? And you've been doing this a long time and you deal with this stuff day in and day out. What are the four big screw ups you see when people set up a business entity? The first thing that uh, I mentioned it or when you mentioned it, and when I started talking about it and, and, and looking at uh, uh, just going back in my past, uh, I'm a recovering litigation attorney. So mm-hmm. I actually had to deal with it in court when people would make these screw ups. So we have got everything from a uh, an address, as simple as that, as the address. When you go and file on Secretary of State, what address do you use to uh, the documentation behind it? Selecting the tax uh, status. That's been a big problem with some of my clients. Commingling, another huge problem because Obviously, you're trying to work on the business and you get a little lazy here. You know, documentation, not keeping accurate books and records uh, from an accounting standpoint, uh, multidimensional on the, on, the, on the problems with that. But uh, I think the realm that you're going to look at here that we want to look at is not treating the business like a business. Each of the four things that we're going to be going over, it's because the individual does not treat the business like a business. And I can tell you firsthand, when you're in the court system and you're looking at the judges looking at it, they're going to look and see if that owner, that business owner, the person running the business, if they treat it like the business. If the individual didn't treat it like a business, then why should the court make the plaintiff treat it like a business? And so the, the protection that these business entities uh, afford you uh, goes out the window. Bottom line, treat the business like a business, have respect for it. The courts will have respect for it, you know, if you get into a jury, but uh, treat the business like a business. All right. So I, I, I clerked as well. And, uh, and from the bench side, they always say the amount of respect I'll show something is the amount of respect you show something. But people are setting up a business for tax benefits, state planning benefits, raising money for that business purposes. And the big one is liability protection. And uh, liability protection, there's really two sides to it, right? There's the liability of the business that is generated. Like let's say I'm a plumber and I flood somebody's house and I get sued in the business. You want to make sure it doesn't come and take all your personal assets and vice versa. If I get into a personal car accident because I'm being a, I'm, I'm not paying attention, I don't want them to come take my business away. And so these businesses that we set up when we set up a business entity and you're usually using corporations, LLCs, limited partnerships, things like that. There's all these benefits and you see people undo it. And so let's focus like a laser beam into the top four that you've seen. I know that you said you were coming today with four areas that you see people repeatedly screwing up on. And what's the first area that you see? Well, let's go down to the, let's get to the very basic, the very first thing that you're going to be doing, you're going to be going ahead and filing it with the secretary of state or whatever state you're doing business. Uh, generally, you're going to choose the state in which you're touching and concerning citizens of the particular state. Unless you're not touching, then you can choose the jurisdiction that's favorable to your business and to yourself. So the first thing, is your address that you're using when you file that initial uh, incorporation paper, paperwork or the formation paperwork for any sort of any whatsoever. Uh, that is the biggest mistake. We get a lot of clients who have already set up a business and they come to us and they say, hey, am I, have I done it right? 
you never want to knock someone down because they did take an initial step. But the first thing I see is that their business ad or their personal address is listed as their business address. And, you know, from a legal standpoint, from a practical standpoint, from a personal standpoint, each of them are a little bit at odds with each other. Uh, but seeing people use their personal address is so wrong on so many different levels. And so you're talking about, like, let's say I set up a business. Again, let's just say it's a plumbing business. And I'll set it up and you'll see people that actually put their personal home address. And there's two areas that you look at, right? There's a registered agent, which is every business has to have. And then there's also the business address. And they'll put their home addresses both, right? And you'll see them just like, if there's a dispute, someone's going to show up at your house. At your house, where you have your family, where you have your neighbors watching. Yes, think how bad that is. Yeah, you tick off a client. Like I always think of this. I have a, I have a, I have a psychiatrist is, is one of my clients. And he's like, Toby, I don't want my name anywhere in the public records. Sure. Uh, sure. because some of these folks, they just, they, they're, well, they're not well, but oftentimes they're, they're looking for something. They're always looking for help. And sometimes it's drugs and sometimes it's, it, it's something else. They'll hunt him down. And he's like, I don't want my name out there. You see this going on with police officers, by the way. They're the only ones like, there's a lot of public officials. Yeah, they can have their names out of the public record, and this is why. And then you just undid that by sticking your name and your uh, in in your your home address out there for the whole world to see, as though it's a business address. I mean, there's well, all sorts of don't even know any better, and they haven't thought this through, uh, and they haven't been exposed to it. They're just doing the best they can. But it, whenever we see this inside, when we review their documents, as a uh, you know, when a new client comes in. It's, it's tough to see that because the exposure that they're from a legal standpoint, but then from like you're mentioning the personal standpoint, gosh, it just makes your heart hurt a little bit. Uh, uh, and again, people don't know what a registered agent is. That's something I've seen in the last three or four years before a registered agent, you just list it down. It was fine. The courts really laxed on the service of process. And I'll use the case example that kind of unwound this. But if you went back five, 10, 15 years ago and the service of process got delivered to a person at your house, let's say a grandmother, maybe an immigrant grandmother who didn't speak English, and she took the papers and set them aside. You could go into the court, say, hey, this is what happened, and you would be a motion to set aside default judgment. And the courts would grant it. Wait, wait, hold hold on for a second. Time out, because I want to make sure everybody understands what you're talking about. You're talking about if they serve you and you never actually get the pleadings because they gave it to a family member at the house. Which is is good process of service. They completed it. Yeah. And that, that went away. You never saw it. You could go to the court and the court really at the time wanted to try the cases on the merits. That was the position, yeah. uh, not, not a procedural mishap. But then uh, a case came out where exactly that happened. They listed themselves as a registered agent and the, the grandmother or the mother received the papers, put them aside, didn't know how the, how important it was to it. Uh, the court said, no, wait, when you list that registered agent, you yep. are responsible to be business hours available to accept that service of process. You didn't meet the requirement. We're not going to do it. That started. And then it kind of went through all the states like a virus, uh, if you will. Um, the other thing, like you're mentioning, you're listing a, your personal residence there. It's where you have your family, your home, your neighbors. So don't do it. Use a commercial uh, resident agent. We're a resident agent and uh, keep them away from your, 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 your personal house and uh, be able to be, make sure that you get notice of that lawsuit so you can respond. Yeah, and let's interject too. Also, from a like business credit standpoint, mm. uh, a lot of lenders are going to look at the address and look to see if it's a commercial address, and they're not going to loan to you if it's a 
uh, if it's a residential address. They don't loan to individuals under those circumstances. And a lot of them only want to loan to an actual commercial business, especially if you're looking at non-recourse. You're just not going to get it. And so it's really important that you actually establish a separate identity and a separate location for that business. It's not expensive. Just do it. So I always like to look at it from the legal side, the project side, and generating revenue in the business side of it. Uh, I was looking for a service provider. So what do I do? I go to Google, put my location in, and see if there's any service providers in, in the service that I was looking for. And I found a few that were at a neighborhood, in a neighborhood. What does that tell me about the business? Uh, that just came way down for me. Yeah, it's not a real business at that point. Again, the amount of respect you show your business is the amount of respect third parties will show it, including courts and investors and banks and everybody, right? So you want to have your business treated with respect. After all, you're spending your time and energy to put these things together. You've set up an entity. You want the benefits of it. Don't screw it up by putting your personal address. So that's number one. What's number two screw up that you see all the time? Organizational paperwork, the documents uh, for a corporation, it's going to be the bylaws. For an LLC, it's going to be the operating agreement. That is number one and number two. Generally, they're messed up together. Uh, however, absolutely going to be the uh, organizational documents. I have a, a great story that illustrates this. I was speaking at an event in Las Vegas, and this really cute elderly couple comes up to me. And I was taking a break, and they come up to me and say, Michael, we are so excited because... This LLC that you're talking about, we already have one. And I was super excited because, you know, they were, they were excited about what we, what I was sharing with them. Uh, they said, Hey, can you, I, we've got it here. Can we go sit and, uh, can you review it for us? I said, absolutely. Let's go sit down. We set this high top table and, uh, I open up the first page of it and it was for an LLC and it says bylaws for ABC LLC. Let's say with a company. So it's bylaws for ABC yes. LLC. And, and, and you're, and you're starting to chuckle. A lot of people, lay people wouldn't even understand. Well, you chuckled because bylaws are for corporations, right? Corporations. Uh, this was for an LLC. So I, I said, okay, you know what? Maybe we could do a little whiteout and just say, change it to operating agreement of ABC LLC. And I started reading through it. It was drafted like bylaws. It, meant, it made no mentions of the protections of an LLC. My heart's hurting again because they are so excited. How do I let them down easy and tell them what they spent money on is is worthless? I uh, got to the end of it and it said shares of ABC LLC. What's the problem with that? You don't have shares in a in an LLC, a membership interest. I mean, it sounds to me like they went and they did probably something online or you know a boilerplate. And the unfortunately, problem again, they went to an attorney and the attorney charged them about twenty eight hundred dollars to get this done. The attorney did that. Attorney did that. Uh, you know, we talked about it, and here's where it comes into the charging order protection applies uh, to LLCs, and that's what they they wanted. They wanted the protection uh, for the asset against them, any, any sort of liability from themselves. You know, I explained to them out, and uh, we were able to help them out getting a good set of documents. But here's what, again, what the court's going to say is if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. This is a corporation. Mm-hmm. And if I was uh, the, you know, the plaintiff attorney coming after it, I'd have it, uh, treated as a corporation under the RMBCA, which is the Revised Model Business Corporation Act, knowing that the opposing counsel probably have no idea why I was doing that. The main thing is if I get it treated like a corporation, that charging order does not apply. So, you know, uh, the documentation matters. Plus, Toby, when we look at a business entity, we look at the documents, whether it's bylaws or we look at it from the operating agreement standpoint. A lot of people those are, look at those as restrictions. No, they're actually privileges, and they're you know we got uh, different uh, 
uh, abilities to take medical care reimbursements. It, it's all privileges and benefits that uh, those documents give us. Plus, it also comes back to if we ever go into court, if you come in with just a manila piece of, you know, or a folder full, full of, you know, papers and you throw them down, you, you don't look that professional. You're not treating that business like a business and the court isn't going to treat it also. And it also goes on audits too. Um, I've mm-hmm. talked to many auditors who, who, you know, about this stuff and they said, hey, if we come in and we see a well organized set of documents, we might look at a few things, but we're out of there. The reason why is we know that those I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. Not a good place for us to spend our time. We're going to go to somewhere where, you know, they've got just a, you know, again, a couple of pieces of paper together to show their business and a shoebox full of receipts. Yeah. And if you're banking or if you're trying to get a loan and your documents don't look the way that they want to see them, you're done. You're just going to get the right? Too. Yeah. So, it, it, we always say it's the interpretation of the presentation. If your presentation yeah. sucks, don't expect to get the result that you want. And you just undid it. Again, you said this nice couple, somebody's is trying and they're doing what they can and they're undoing all the benefits of what they're setting up because they make these big mistakes. All right, that was number two. Let's dive into number three. What's the third area that you're seeing people screw up when they're setting up a business entity? It's commingling and not uh, separating personal from business. And that starts from the very beginning. Uh, it's bad in a couple of ways. Number one, again, we're getting back to treat the business like a business. But when you start using uh, business dollars on personal benefit or per, you know personal dollars on business benefit, uh, I was involved in many of cases where the first thing that I would do is get a forensic accountant to go through the records and show every single time that that individual disrespected that clear separation between the business and themselves. Why? Because then I could move the court to go ahead and hey, if the if the business owner didn't respect that separation, why should my client? And by co-mingling, you mean like money, like a, a lot of times people will use the bank account interchangeably for their own. Like they'll start buying everything for themselves, their business, and they go like, oh, it's a write-off. No, it's not. It has to be have a profit motive. And when you're expending that, there has to be some sort of reason, uh, you know, it's being used for a business sense. Business if you're going out buying your groceries, yeah, if you're buying your groceries, you're just thumbing your nose at this thing saying, ha, 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 I'm so cute. Don't expect a court to fall for that and don't expect the IRS to fall for it and don't expect an investor or a bank to be party to that. They're going to look at that and go, this is the earmarks of somebody who does not know how to run a business. It's not a business. It's a personal piggy bank that someone's just messing with and we're not going to honor it by giving it any of our business. You know, what we're seeing here a lot of is the uh, formalization of an entity or treating with respect not only translates to great protection and liability protection uh, for the business from you and, and you from the business, uh, but we're also seeing it cross over from an IRS standpoint, an audit standpoint. And, uh, and, and you know, that would even lead into our next uh, topic. We got four, right? This is the fourth one, Michael. We've got four screw-ups. Four screw-ups, and these are so common. Again, the attorneys here at Anderson, they deal with this every day, every day, because I went and talked mm-hmm. to them and, and pulled them. It's keep uh, good bookkeeping and records, making sure books you have and a records. Of books. Who would have thunk it, right? Now, he, now he, here's, here's my pet peeve, and I know you're going to dive into this, but my pet peeve is you always see these folks saying, oh, the formalities of a corporation are so much higher. They have to keep books and records. And I'm like, 
every business entity, whether you're a sole proprietor, a partnership, an S corp, a C corp, an LLC taxes, an S corp, LLC taxes, a C corp. It does not matter what you are. No. You have the same books and records requirement. You have to keep a paper trail of what your expenditures are. And they screw it up all the time, right? Your pet peeve is my pet peeve because it's, it's such a fallacy. Um, I was actually wanting to start a business anywhere. I was quite young. I, I was you know, 19, 20, 21 right there. And even my father said, Hey, you know what? It's too many corporate formalities. So I had it in my head that, my gosh, it's too much work. I got to do an annual report. I got to do an annual meeting. I got to have all these meetings. And all of a sudden, one of my buddies started his own business. I said, well, if that bozo can do it, so can I. Uh, then I started realizing these meetings are actually more beneficial to me than a, a burden on me. Because now all of a sudden, I've got historical records of where I wanted to go. Did I get there? It held, it hold, it, it held me accountable. Uh, but also, I had a better finger on my financial pulse. Because now I got a clean set of books instead of a shoebox full of receipts that I would just hand off on April 14th to my accountant. Now I can actually keep a finger on the financial pulse. I can look mm -hmm. at my activities and I can say, okay, this one's generating profits. Okay, this activity over here is actually a drain and a deterrent from the actual profit centers that I had there. Uh, whether you're a business owner, a real estate investor, a stock trader, you can look at your activities and have a better finger of, uh, on, the, on the pulse of each activity because it's all separated out. And then if you aren't generating the profits that you want, you can go ahead and make adaptations because you understand where you're at on each each of those levels. Um, but bookkeeping um, is something that I have a love-hate relationship. When I remember my first time working with QuickBooks, I was putting numbers in and it should have been decreasing columns. It was increasing columns. And uh, uh, But once I got that down and actually employed a company to actually do my bookkeeping, you know, I really felt like I was more in tune with my business and uh, I was able to jettison some of those activities as emotionally attached as I was to them, I was able to adjust them off. And uh, overall, it was better for the health of the business. Yeah, you want to have a separate business. Remove yourself, right? If you if you if you are removed from the equation, what is left, and what is what is the story that the records tell, and that'll tell you how valuable your business is. And you're not even able to see that because you're so emotionally involved into it at times too. But this may well, be there, but you have to. When a bank is sitting there looking at it, an underwriting a loan, they need to see the paper trail. They're not going to yeah. sit there and you know be talking to you. That doesn't paper their file. That does not do what they need to do to justify a, a loan. Or if you're raising money from an angel investor or you're pitching and trying to get new investors, it's not enough to say, oh, I told somebody. You have to document these things. And uh, I think what is really hitting here is that when you do not separate that business out, from yourself, the default is it's you. And if it's you, lenders don't want to deal with it. They don't want to, you know, that you're not going to be able to, you know, courts are not going to honor the separateness. Banks are not going to honor the separateness. And you're going to end up being not taken as seriously as you should be if you're a traditional business. And it'll cost you in the long run. So you just nailed four areas. Like, like I just want to go over them really quickly again. I think you had the, you're using your personal address. You're not creating a separate Commercial don't be RA and don't have your corporate address. Absolutely. Yep. There's two of those, right? You have, you have the registered agent required for the entity and you have a physical address for the business. Got to make sure that those are commercial, especially for lending. Like they won't loan to a, a residential in many okay. cases if it's a true uh, commercial. Uh, so there's that one, which is using your personal address. Don't do that. 
Number two, I believe, was you were. Let's see the, the formation. Of the, yeah, the documents, documents, documents. There's something else I want to add in your resolutions, your uh, consent to actions, things like that. Uh, and again, these things. That goes to books and records. That was number three, right? Yeah, books and records. No, commingle was three, and then books and records was number four. Mm-hmm. So bad docs, using your f- uh, personal address, uh, commingling oh, assets. And books and records and not having good books and records. I think you yeah. nailed it. Yeah. Well, there's so many more. I, I mean, I, I think I have about 20 that when I started brainstorming on this. You know, again, you know, Anderson, one of the best successes we have is watching clients grow, 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 grow and become successful. Uh, the next step of that is forming a nonprofit and start sharing that wealth. Uh, uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's no reason that uh, these formalities should be looked at as a burden. They should be looked at as a benefit. And, uh uh, you know, we want uh, businesses to succeed. It's been so fun to, uh, over the last couple of decades, to watch businesses grow and still uh, chat with those clients and uh, uh, reminisce about when they had uh, one little business or when they had one investment property and now they've got, uh, you know, hundreds of doors. And so, yeah, we just want everyone to be successful. And it's not that hard. You just have to pay attention to it, treat the business like a business, uh, and you'll reap the benefits of it. Perfect. Well, thanks for joining us, Michael. I'll put your information down below. They can always go to Anderson Advisors to find you, one of the uh, one of the partners here, and uh, you can always reach out and contact him and say, "Hey, I'm worried about my business. Will you take a look at it?" Or better yet, "Hey, I'm thinking of setting up a business. Make sure you're doing it right." Correct. Yeah. Wish everyone the best of success. Appreciate everyone. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Show notes for links to everything mentioned in this episode can be found on our website at andersonadvisors.com slash podcast. Be sure you subscribe to our podcast. And if you are already a subscriber, please provide us a review of what you thought of this episode.